Could you imagine if your favorite board game hit the big screen? Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Listeners of the Tabletop Shop podcast, this is Nate Clark, and seated across the city from me, it is. Actually, I'm across the room right now. God, Cody, there goes the. <laughs> I messed there, it up. <laughs> there goes the suspension of di- whatever. The, the suspension, suspension of belief. Of disbelief. Dif- di- yeah, of disbelief. Of disbelief. I can't right. believe it, guys. Well, the illusion's wow. broken, people. It's all a scam. It's all fake. Well, normally we are across the city from each other, yeah. but it was more convenient to do it in the same really janky studio that I have set up right now. And here's the thing, people. When you're recording your podcast, instead of doing it remotely, if you do it together, then you can play board games afterwards. Exactly. Or video games or both. All games. Preferably not at the same time. Although there could possibly be room for that, depending. Oh, okay. New market. New challenge, man. Let's do it. Wait for that in the future, listeners. Yeah. Okay. Today, we are going to do our same routine as usual. We'll talk about what we played this week. Then we'll segue into talking about one game in specific and our random miscellaneous thoughts on that game. Mm-hmm. And then we will segue into our board banter section of the week. And if you want to figure out what we're going to talk about this week, you will have to stick around and listen to the episode or just skip about three quarters yeah. of the way through and we'll probably be talking about it at that point. Thanks for that thrilling table of contents, Nate. All right, Cody, what did you play this week? <laughs> oh, man, I have not played much this week. I don't really know who to blame other than myself. Sometimes I just like to do other things, okay? Don't, don't hurt me. At least, least two games? Or mentally. Um, yes, in fact, I have played three games that I remembered. Maybe there's more. First one I got down is Castles of Burgundy. And get this, I looked back through my list of games according to the month that I like played them in. And I think it actually was Christmas of last year. It was about the time that I played this last. Gosh, dang. It's so been you, a while, You haven't man. played this game in like 10 months. You haven't played this game no, in 10 months? No, you haven't. That's what I'm oh, saying. You oh, haven't okay. played in like 10 months. How about you? When's the last time you played it? Uh, a couple weeks ago. I, ha, th- I think oh, I even okay. mentioned it last episode. No, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Well, yeah, we played it. Um, I got the the Ripe Ripe score of 245, I think. That's, 244? I would say in, in Castles of Burgundy, um, specifically the, um, exp- the, uh, the anniversary edition, because there are more ways to get points. Specifically with that, a anything over 200 is good. Anything over 250 is like really good. And mm. I think the high score in our in all the games I've played is 284, I believe. Ah, man. I, I was really hoping to get a mega high score this game. I got a really good shield because um, you we're playing with the shield. Yeah. The 20th anniversary or whatever. Um, and I had the one where I, I got it right from the beginning where it lets you at the end of each phase, you can draft for free without paying silver something from the center mm-hmm. like black market thing. And yeah. then you can take it and place it for free. Directly so it, into your thing. Yeah, yeah. It basically saves you two actions and it's free because you have to pay the silver. If you really want a high score, get the one that lets you change one of your dice every single time ah, you roll. Kirsten got that, that one. That thing is crazy we, we played overpowered. With both, I feel but she like. got it first, dang it. I, I really feel like that one's overpowered. Literally every single time you roll the <laughs> yes. dice, basically every single turn, instead of having two random die, die rolls, you get to literally pick one of your numbers, yeah, which man. if you guys know anything about Castles of Burgundy, that's like crazy good. Saves you so many workers. Crazy good. So many workers. But I uh, let me backtrack back to the one that I had. 
it, it served me well for the first three or four rounds, but then the last round, I had absolutely no space for any brown tokens, and all that was on the middle of the board no was way. brown tokens. It's like, I, <laughs> if, if it would have been almost anything else, I probably could have gotten another 20 to 30 points, depending on, on the pattern. So my final question of your play of this, did you win or did Kirsten win? I was victorious. All right, well done. She did what, good what too. What else did you play this week? Um, I also played Raiders of Scythia, which was with you. Yeah. So this is going to be on your list. Good also times, been a long time times. since I played that, and only the second time that I played it. Um, it was pretty good, you know. I mean, it's on my to sell list now, so I don't <laughs> know if that says anything, but. <laughs> <laughs> It's not on your cell list anymore, or it is? It is now on my cell oh, list. Oh, that's yeah. funny, because after we finished playing, you're like, dude, I don't think I'm going to get rid of this anymore. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> oh, really? You, you literally said that. Well, then Kirsten and I sat down and were like, we need to get rid of some stuff in case we move in a couple months. And we went on a purge, including a bunch of board games. Um, I know you're partitioned off by various blanket things, so you can't see, but there's actually a giant pile of board games I'm selling in the other corner of this room. I, out of the corner of my eye, saw Beyond the Sun. Yes, that is one of them. Which wasn't bad. It's just I don't think Kirsten and I are ever going to get around to playing it. I don't see that as a game that Kirsten would like. But I also don't see this as content that our uh, listeners would be interested in. <laughs> or would they? Maybe people want to know about our social lives, you know? Uh, but anyway, played Raiders of Scythia. And again, to be honest, it, it wasn't terrible, but I think you summed it up well in that it just doesn't have much replay value. Uh, what I want to do instead is just go by Raiders of the North Sea and then get the expansion like Tom Vassell says you're supposed to. And then it will look all nice and pretty. All right. And it will match the rest of my Shem Phillips games. Here, here. Yeah. And finally, played Aquatica. Um, oh, really? Okay, I traded cool. you some other game for that one a while ago. Yeah. And we finally literally just broke it out. Okay. And man, it was a lot easier uh, than I remember. I think the first game I just did miserably because it, it took me a while to get my head around the concept that your resources are largely come from moving the cards up. Yeah. As opposed to just getting coin or like playing the character cards from your hand. So Kirsten and I both went into it knowing that this time and we both did a lot better. Cool. I, I don't remember what the score comparison for my last game was, but it was pretty fun. Well, and it was I'm, pretty fast. I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. I always worry like if I when we trade games or something that I'm going to give you a game that you think you are interested <laughs> in and then you play it a couple of times. You're like, man, why did I trade for yeah. this? So I'm glad to hear that you are happy with it. Have you traded me any games that that's happened with? We haven't traded many games, no, though. No, not too much. Thing. Not too much. Yet. All right, so that's your three for the week? Yeah. What you got, man? Uh, well, okay, I only have two, but before you before you hang me up to dry here. Only two? Yeah. Nate, what do you even do with your time? Well, you know, it turns out I'm, like, getting married very soon all of a sudden. And so, that's an know. excuse <laughs> over board games. Yeah, okay. okay, that's fine. So, of course, Raiders of Scythia was one of them, my first time playing. I actually, I think it's an, in, well, ingenious might be a little bit uh, over stating it but it's a very good design it's a very very solid design i think it's great yes but like you said earlier when you were quoting me it's it's not <laughs> it's it, i feel like there's not a lot of replayability there you know i it's just there's no variability really like sure the way that the quests can come out on the board can change but that doesn't really even matter that much it actually at all it doesn't matter at all mm. you know and the resources that are on top of them can come out differently but that still really doesn't matter they're not there are random things that change throughout the game, but not that change how you play the game. Yeah, it's always going to be a pretty similar strategy to your. Yeah, but I don't think there's really a whole lot of room for changing strategies in that game. So, Nate, talk about the worker 
function in that game though yeah which yeah is pretty i do cool. i do like that a lot so there's an upper section of the board there's what six or eight spots where you can place workers yeah and it starts with three workers already on three of those spots and whenever you place a worker up there you do the action and then you take a worker off a different spot and do the action you just took it off uh so that's really cool in one way it's cool or in two ways it's cool <laughs> in that you get to do two things on one turn which is really cool and so you can make things work together that way but also it plays into your strategy of like what do especially in a two-player game what do i not want to leave open for that person mm -hmm. you know what do i think they want to place and pick up and how do i not you know let them do what they want sure. and that's not a huge part of the game in fact it probably feels like it should be a bigger part than it is but it's it's a small and interesting you know uh angle to the strategy in the game yeah so. it's it's a weird concept within worker placement too because to an extent well, no single space is ever blocked because if there's a worker there already. You just go in a different spot and then you pick up that yes. worker in the place you want to go. Yeah. But uh, c combos of places can be blocked yes. because of that. If there's two empty spots, you can't do both of them. Yes. But exactly. you will, you can do anything, any one single thing you want to for sure. Faux show. Yeah, it's a good game. Good game. And would recommend playing, but maybe not just buying. You know, maybe give it a play and see if you would want it. Sure. The other thing I played is abyss and i played it twice hey, and i played okay. it with the kraken expansion so like that's kind of three games right there right mm, no okay so nice i have four try, and you have you have three i win <laughs> i mean I, yeah. I played a 20th anniversary edition of castle so does that count as two games have i played four games uh, that counts as 20 games cody da except exactly. just kidding it only counts as seven but I it's think. it's like the actual <laughs> yeah. eight year anniversary right. of the game though so. anyways abyss great game card drafting game and boy i don't even know kind of uh not really tableau building um Mostly card drafting, but it's it has mm. interesting drafting uh, mechanisms, kind of a market mechanism in it. Yeah. And you're buying, you're drafting lords and using those, or drafting allies and using those allies to purchase, but really like thematically uh, win over certain political lords in this underwater kingdom. Uh, but it, it's a great, like, a, a incredibly designed game. This one, I would say, is, is a borderline ingenious. Uh, it's almost contract fulfillment, but it's not. Yeah. It's like really vague contract fulfillment. You can fulfill it in the way that you want within the given parameters. Yes, it's it, you're, you're just buying cards, basically. But you have a lot of freedom in how you buy the cards. And there's a lot of give and take. Um, so there's kind of a push your luck aspect to it. But the more you push your luck, the more you're actually helping other people. Because every time you flip a card, other people get a chance to take it before mm -hmm. you do. And however many cards you flip over, if you keep the last one, the other ones get sent out into different locations on the board where other people will have the chance to pick them up on exactly. their turns. Exactly. And so, it's not your turn anymore. Exactly. So that is what I really love about the game is uh, just kind of the the push your luck. And the, the more you push your luck, the more you are also kind of potentially helping other people. So yeah, very interesting. Very cool. The Kraken expansion is very good. It adds in these... Uh, so there's pearls in the game, which are kind of uh, supplementary uh, currency, but you can get, there's black pearls in the expansion, which are... Oh, I don't can, think we played with those when we played. Dude, they're cool. They can also be used as currency, but they're also negative points, and you have to spend your other pearls before you can spend them, and you can't spend multiple of the black ones huh. at a time, but they're really easy to get. And so it's like this, uh, it's almost like debt, basically. Like, it's really easy <laughs> to accrue, and it helps you do things faster, but there's a price to pay if you don't get rid of it. So it's pretty cool. Okay. So it's a life lesson then. Basically. And it also adds in it also adds in wild cards into the ally the little allies deck. So instead of just the five okay. colors, there's also wild cards. Ooh. Uh two, three, and four. That's awesome. And that's also how you get those black pearls. 
you have wild cards that can be any color and you're going to get some black pearls. So really cool. Uh, adds in some other lords and stuff with cool powers. Yeah. Abyss, great game and even better with the Kraken expansion. And I will say my favorite part of Abyss is probably just the picture of Bruno Catala holding up the, the box <laughs> Making cover. Making frowny face. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cody. Yeah, man. What's what? Yeah, what? Our game of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll. That could probably you, sounded terrible. Could you hear the drum roll? Okay, fine. <laughs> Underwater Cities by Vladimir Suchi. Or yes. is it Suchi? I would say Suchi. Suchi. No one knows. No one cares. Actually, I do care. Vladimir Suchi, I apologize, and I assume I just said your name correctly. Let me know in the comments below, because I know you're listening to this podcast right now. Underwater Cities. My number one game, Nate. You know that. It's been my number one game number... basically since I played it. It it unseated, it dethroned Scythe. That's and, crazy. Yeah. Actually. That's really crazy. I would not put this game above. I didn't I actually I forgot this was your number one. And I would oh, really? not put this above Scythe, personally. Well, I mean, you just don't have taste in games. So Wow, okay. Well, what are we going to do with that? Not pulling any punches here. <laughs> no. All right, cool. thought this was a uh, thought this anyway. was friendly banter. No, no. I, okay, I will say, I will say, I will preface this with, I, I've cooled off a little bit on Underwater Cities. Not that I dislike the game or anything, but I've played it so much that now it's like when I look at my bookshelf, which is just a board game shelf, I, I usually don't really want to pull it off. I want to pull off something else. Right, and so somewhere. it probably just has to be a while. It's what? just like I just saw Top Gun Maverick three times, so I'm going to wait a year <laughs> before I watch it again. <laughs> Apt analogy. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, obviously not for every game. So Wingspan, for example, obviously has greater replayability for you than uh, Underwater Cities does, at least greater immediate replayability. Like, you can play it again and again and sure. again in a short span of time. And easier to break out, for sure. And, yeah, and you probably couldn't or would not want to do that with Underwater Cities. Which I would probably feel the same way, actually. I feel like Underwater Cities is definitely the heavier game of those two, and I would not mm-hmm. want to play it routinely. I could play Wingspan routinely, even if I like it. How less. many times, though, have you played it with the New Discoveries expansion? Only twice. Only twice? I think. That, I mean, the game's already incredible, but that adds some pretty fun elements to the game. You get the the specialized um, starting assistants that give you both um yeah kickstarts the beginning of the game yeah well they, they give you an ongoing ability which is cool as well as the action that you can activate from them so it's not like you just get a credit yeah. or a steel plastic yeah because that starting action card kind of sucks it does it's terrible but having a starting ability or an ongoing ability is also nice it's like one of those infinite effect cards that you can get so for those of you who don't know underwater cities is primarily a well it's worker placement and it is yeah playing cards and i'd say engine building is one of the core mechanics uh, of it even tableau uh, building i don't know about ways. core i would say there's because you you'll play I, some I guess cards card playing is pretty i think a lot there. of the I, I would say most of the time at least probably about half the cards you play are going to be immediate effect and then discarded mm-hmm. um the other half will probably be end game or uh, conditionary or whatever conditional cards those are the ones that really play into the tableau building but about half the cards you play probably are just going to get discarded and have no more effect on the game sure so i guess it really is kind of more card selection or card playing that yeah that's what i would say and there is an aspect like there are a lot of cards you can play down that say if you do this then you get this at some point in the game or at any point in the game you know there's a lot of those things so 
but yeah, I don't know. Tableau building, especially as a core mechanic, I, I don't think I would go that far. Yeah, I get because it's technically even optional in a way, so it can't really be for sure. Tableau, at least right. for the cards. But the engine building aspect uh, is very strong. Yeah. Um, so, even if it doesn't activate immediately, what you're doing is you're putting down cities on different places on your board that is your own personal board. And then around each of those cities, you can place up to three and sometimes four under special conditions, little factories or laboratories, things that will reproduce resources for you. And then you use those resources to jumpstart you in the, the following era of whatever another three phases that you're going to be playing in. So, it's so beautiful. Cody, I'm interested to hear... Well, not super interested because I feel like I know how you feel about it, but okay. why don't you break down a little bit how the worker placement works and how it interacts with the card mm-hmm. play? Because every turn you play a card and you pick a spot on the board to like a, a spot to place your worker. Yes. So why don't you go over a little bit how those interact and why it's unique? Yes. Excellent statement, Brothaniel. Let's jump into this. So, Cody, if you ever call me that again, I will burn this house down. Brothaniel. Oh, boy. <laughs> also, this is an apartment, not a house. I'll, I'll so burn the whole on building you, nerd. down. Anyway, let's get back on track. So Underwater Cities, the card play. Um, around, the, around the board of Underwater Cities, there's three sections. You've got the red and the yellow and the green. Actually, not in that order at all. The red's in the middle. Um, it's, let's see, green, red, then yellow. Um, And each of those sections has a certain power level. So all the green actions on the board are not very effective. All the red actions are moderately effective. And all the yellow actions are very effective. But then you have this massive deck of cards that on your turn, you're always going to play a card and then draw a new card. So your your hand's constantly cycling through different cards. All the cards also are going to be either red, yellow, or green. But their effectiveness level is actually switched. So the green cards are the most powerful. The red cards are still in the middle, and then the yellow cards are the least powerful. So how it functions is on your turn, you always have to put down um, a, a card from your hand, and then you're going to put a your little submarine, if you have the cool upgrades like I do, or your weird little door marker yeah. thing from your the elevator doors. Yeah, whatever that's supposed to be. I don't know. Um, you put that down on another space is going to be one of the the colored spaces and if you played a card that matches the color of the space you're going on you get to activate also the ability of your card if you don't which would be really stupid if you can you're basically just throwing away whatever card you're using and you're just using the action on the board but you can never get two super mega actions at the same time because if you play a green card to activate it and you go on a green spot you're going to get the lame green ability from the board but the really awesome green ability from the card you just played so it's this it's this balancing game that you're playing throughout the entire game yeah it's like if you say that the greens have a value of one like the green spots Mm -hmm. the reds are two and the yellows are three and then the cards are reversed it's like well as long as you're playing a matching card with the spot you go you're always getting a value of four yeah exactly that's a good way to phrase it uh out of your turn but obviously the order that you do things and you know the cards that what the cards actually do and the spots actually do you can get some pretty crazy turns in that game for sure. Some Do some really turns. cool stuff. One of my favorites actually is if you can play a card that lets you just duplicate the action that either is occupied or not occupied by someone else. And then it lets you, like you can play a, a green card and then use like a yellow ability. It's It's fantastic. Oh yeah. And actually there's a few cards in that game where it's like, if you don't use a matching card, you get this bonus. Uh, like if you if you don't use a matching card, you get to do this bonus on this card. Oh instead. sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I was once playing with my dad and he got all three of those for every single color. 
And so every oh, time what? he didn't no. use a matching card, he got he triggered three abilities. That's awesome, man! Wrecked Isn't it like you game. get you can get like a credit and then a steel plast and like something else? Yeah, there's another one. It's yeah, just like he was good. just like, well, I'm gonna go here and I'll throw away this card and take this, this, and this. And it's like, all right, cool, <laughs> nice, so classic. I'll just lose now. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We're used to it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I, I hmm. okay. Let's talk about what we. Okay, well, let's talk about what we don't like about this game, and okay. then I want to bring up something interesting about Ooh, it. Uh, I'm intrigued. Okay, but this is your number one, so actually, is there anything... If you had to pick this apart, if you really had to be a critic, <sighs> what what just... And you said it's falling, and maybe that's just because you know you don't really feel like coming back to it. That sure. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with yeah. it, necessarily. But what, you know, is there anything that kind of you're like, eh, this quite isn't perfect? An excellent question mechanically there's nothing really coming to mind there may be something later that i think of but i mean the the mechanics how everything works together is is magnifique i think i said that right the the only the only biffs i may have assuming that's a real word is definitely the elevator doors from the from the base game <laughs> that what what a terrible design for a worker like you you it takes four games to even try to figure out what it's supposed to be depicting it's this weird thing that maybe has a doorknob on it i don't know thematically i just don't even get why it's there it's like okay am i i guess i'm getting a passcode to access yeah, a like location going of the into city? a room to do something yeah, i guess right i don't know but on, on etsy or some other like upgrade places you can get these awesome 3d printed submarines that make a lot more sense i mean when have you ever played a worker placement game where instead of workers you just had submarines it's fantastic. <laughs> um, the other thing, actually, shout out to Sam Morgan. You you made a good point about this. The you know when you're you can place double, uh, double buildings around certain places, or or I guess upgraded buildings. Yes. So by doing that, let's say you want to build a, a desalination plant, you put down the little yellow guy, and then you can upgrade it and put another little yellow circle right on top of it. Yes. They're so easy to knock over because they're just uh. little tiny plastic pieces. Sam Morgan's suggestion was they should have been indented so that they yeah. basically stick 100%. into each other each time. That would have been incredible. But Cody, think about all the R&D they would have to do to even make that Wait, possible. Yeah, that's a good Come point. Come on. Like, we're, not, we're not playing in the future here, buddy. All right? Vladimir okay. Succi ain't got time for that. He's making other really complicated games. So those are your those are your 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 little your yeah, little qualms. Those those are my main biffs. Okay. What you got? Mine are relatively similar. Um, I think overall the actual the game has a very not very but a rather moderate to low production quality. Mm. Uh, so if that's something you're looking for in a game, I guess even the resource chips dude, are just little cardboard. Everything. Pieces. Okay, listen, <laughs> the cards are just basic. There's no texture or nothing. That's fine. That doesn't really bother me. But it's like. You know, you compare those to like the cards in Tapestry or something. It's like there's a noticeable mm -hmm. difference in quality for sure. Uh, so there's that. There's the uh, the board itself like never lays flat ever. It's always <laughs> well, one one part of the board is always sticking up a little bit. Uh, the like you said, the resources you they just get knocked over. Um, you have to if you want indented boards, you have to get the expansion. The uh, the resources are all just cardboard chips. So. The, the one thing I will say is the art is very good. It I love beautiful. the art in the game. Every single, well, not every single because there's some copies or similar copies, but there's a lot of original art in the game, and I would say it all looks really good. The overall aesthetic of the game is awesome too, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like the, the art is, it's always going to be kind of anywhere from a nice blue <laughs> color to red and green and other, yellow. Other than one thing that makes no sense, which is that the turn order 
is on a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> There's a cell phone printed on the board, and you do turn order on that. Yeah. How Why? many bars do you get underneath the ocean? That makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> okay. Well, it's the, it's the future, man. Yeah. You can give cell phones. Yeah. Well, I don't think cell phones are going to look like that in the future, far enough into the future, where we are literally building underwater Maybe cities. Maybe they will. It's, it looks like an iPhone 4, 4S or something, bro. Well, it's like not even... You know, Steve Jobs came back from the dead and re-implemented his original design, and that's what we got. It was his plan all along. Yeah. So that's, I think just overall, the production quality is pretty, like it's below, it's moderate. I would say it's moderate. It's not low. It's the, moderate. But dude, the domes, the, the domes, domes are, the domes are pretty sweet. They're, they're, I don't know. Everyone's always like the domes, the domes. It's like, oh okay. yeah, for good reason. Listen, they look cool. They're interesting. Well, hey, dude, when did underwater cities hurt you? Like what, what happened? Why do you uh, feel this way? You know, I, listen, the domes are cool. But I don't think it's anything to like, you know, go out and buy the game over. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but maybe yeah, not, the, but, but yeah, fundamentally, great, the game is very, very solid. There is some randomness in the card draw for sure that can really kind of suck sometimes mm -hmm. where you just like keep drawing the same color. You're like, I don't want green cards. I need to go on red and orange spots. Why do I keep sure. drawing green cards, you know? And so those are the times you just kind of have to throw away a card and whatever. So but that there can are be... places on the board that help you with that, though, that let you draw two cards in addition to the one card you'll draw yes, at the end of your turn. There's a, actually, that's one thing I will say to this game. For how random the card drawing is, there are a lot of ways to draw more cards. Indeed. I find myself always having to, like, like many, many times throughout a game of Underwater Cities, I'm having to discard cards from my hand. So that's one thing I do like is that you do get to draw a lot of cards generally. Mm -hmm. So... Those are all good things. So one one thing I wanted to bring up, I feel like this game is always compared to, what am I going to say? Terraforming Do you know? Mars. Terraforming Mars. Why? Oh, I think I figured it out, actually. Do you want to know? You want to know? Well, okay. Let me say what? the okay. things that Do, I... Do your thing. <laughs> let me say the things that I find similar between the two games. Okay. You do have a big fat chunk of cards that you're drawing from, a huge stack of cards that are basically all different, more or less, that you're drawing from, mm -hmm. and then you're playing them. And it's similar in that there are some cards that have long-lasting effects. There are some cards that give you endgame points. And there are some cards with immediate effects. And there's not really anything else other than that. Terraforming Mars also has terrible production quality. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, yeah. slamming the, the top-tier games today. Hey, I'm just saying. No, everybody's thinking it, and I'm just saying it. And actually, probably lots of people are saying it, too. I mean, come on. Terraforming Mars is bad, bro. Brothaniel, the men of the people. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say Terraforming Mars is bad, I mean I'm, I'm talking production quality. So anyways, what what you said you, you know, figured out, you cracked the code, you know, the you you sure you, you figured out the the tenant square, the Seder square, Cody. Why don't you you tell me well, what the difference is between Not you put it like that, man. I feel like what I'm going to say is just going to be kind of stupid. A little underwhelming. Good. That's what I was trying to set you up yeah, for. Yeah, well, okay, fine. It's I think it is largely the card play. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, That's so well, what I said. Okay. Cool. The, well, just the, just the basic function of you have this massive deck and then on your turn, you're just you're playing a card from your hand. But that's, and, and they're all different. They're all different. Okay, but that's not even... That's like half of each of those games. And the other halves of those games are wildly different. But that's a very Different in half. every single way. One of them's primarily a worker placement game. And Terraforming Mars has no <laughs> worker placement aspect to it whatsoever. It's a, it's a map game where you're building stuff on a map. And it's actually, it's, it's actually almost entirely a card game with a little bit of map stuff going on. Hmm. Whereas, you know, Underwater Cities is about half card, half worker placement. Well, and then you have your own personal player board that you're doing stuff on. So, 
man, I really, I, I just, I feel like it's weird that people compare them. I just, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not exactly defending that viewpoint because I don't really think of them as too particularly similar. They're both very unique experiences. Um, but I will defend the aspect of the, the tableau building where you're putting down cards and those are going to have ongoing yeah. later effects yeah. for you, as well as your you're sort of setting yourself up for later production. You're slowly putting down, well, I guess in underwater cities, you're putting down some cards, but mostly buildings and resources on the board that will produce other stuff later. Whereas Terraforming Mars, you're just putting down cards that increase your production value. But they both slowly increase your abilities as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, that as a core, as an overarching way of looking at it, sure. But like you only produce, what, three times in underwater cities? And you produce like probably yeah, at least yeah. twenty times in a game of terraforming Mars. So, but still, but yeah, but the sim- the, there's a little similarity there. Sure, I guess so. So, well, I, I guess I don't have to ask you what your verdict is on the game since you <laughs> it is it's a, your number an, one an excellent, magnificent game, especially if you get that new Discoveries expansion. Just saying. I, yeah, I, I also think the game is very good. It's also somewhere in my top ten. Uh, it has been dropping a little bit. I feel like for the same reason, it's like, you know, when I look at all the games, it's like, I, I want to play it every once in a while, maybe like once a month, but probably not more often than that. Okay. You know, as opposed to a game like maybe Scythe, where it's like, I can play that once a week. No problem. You know, I mean, I, it's I, been I, so long since I played Scythe. I wouldn't want to do Underwater Cities once a week. I would get burned out so fast. Mm. But it is, it's a really, it's a solid game. Great experience. Highly recommend Well, it. Let, let me hit you with this, man. I know we're about to end this segment, but Underwater Cities, in the New Discoveries expansion, it has a quick start module where you basically skip the first phase, which is three turns per person. So depending on how many people you play with, that can skip a lot of time. For sure. Yeah. I, man, I would not want to play this game with four. It's already long with three. Hmm. It's best at two, really. Have you because... played a four-player game? No, I would not okay. want to. It's, it's definitely best at two because... Adding more players into this game does not enrich the experience. Well, okay, that's not true because there is a flip side to the board if you play with three. So, yeah, okay, that's I, I take that back. Actually, it does add in different ha! spots on the board if you play with three. Fool. I would never play this with four. It would be such a long game. You know, I thought I didn't play it, but I realized that I actually have played this. We, we taught it to the Morgans. Um, and what is unlocked only if you're playing with four players, even though it's the three, four player side board. Uh, there's one little action space that you can go, if I remember, where I think you just burn a card, but then you can duplicate any action that's occupied by someone else. So it helps you out a little bit if if, it, if you have a lot more people playing and they're going in the spaces you want. There's always that one spot you can go to if you need to. That's cool. To I like that. I like that. So it has a redeeming factor. But I'm just talking from a time aspect. Oof, that'd be a long I game. Would, that would be pretty Already long. two player underwater cities can go easily an hour and a half. But it's an hour and a half of fun. Yep, yeah. But I think maybe that's another reason that I don't see myself wanting to come back to it so often is that it is a time investment for sure. You know, a game aside, I'll pump that out in 30 minutes with two people, dude. <laughs> so. Huh. Yeah. I don't know if I've done that before. Well, maybe not 30. So actually, a stretch, but... some of the digital versions I played where you're just playing against the AI, those can oh, be pretty well, fast. well, okay. That's a little different. Yeah. yeah. All right. But enough about that. Yeah, let's let's get to our board banter. Yeah, Cody. man. So our board banter for this week, we are going to be talking about our top three. Well, we, <laughs> I don't even know how you'd say this. Our top three games that would be best as a movie and top three games that would be worst as a movie. I have it nicely Correct? worded over okay, here. Okay, yeah, why don't you take it away? Actually, it's probably not that great. But top three best 
or worst games to be made into a movie. There, how's that? One sentence. Maybe there's a slash in there, but that's okay. Best and worst, right? Because we have our... We have well, we're ones. not saying that the same game is both the best and worst game <laughs> no, to be right. made into no, a it's, movie. No, it's two lists and one. Two right? separate. It's a little, it's a little two for one you guys are getting here. Top tens is... That takes too much time. So now we have a top three. Check it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Okay. Actually, before we get started. Yeah. What let me got? clarify a couple things here. <laughs> okay. I put a couple constraints on myself because... And I feel like you probably would have done the same thing, but we'll see. Because okay. we didn't talk about at all what to really, how to approach this. First of all, I did not put any themeless games on my uh, worst picks. Because then it's like, oh, okay. uh, you know, like, oh, Canasta. That would be a terrible movie. Well, yeah, sure. it's a terrible movie. You're, I, just, I you're, guess just, you're just trading fruit. You're drafting <laughs> fruits. Of course it'd be a terrible movie, you know? I think subconsciously I did the same thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, I'm not going to pick that. I'm not going to pick Rummy Cube. Like, okay, you can't turn that into a movie, right? Okay. So I mean, you could. I took themeless games. They made chess out. into a TV show, didn't they? Well, that's <laughs> well, just But a it's show not about chess, chess yeah. embodied. Okay. Also, I took out all IP games. So, hmm. you know, okay. like Star Wars games, Harry Potter games, Dune games ah you messed up my joke man (laughs) you you were gonna ask me like okay what's your number one i was gonna say i think dune imperium would be a great movie i was actually gonna say the same thing like all right my number one's well now the joke's gone instead but hey we're smart minds right sure well but but that seemed obvious to me like yeah like okay star wars imperial assault yeah, my number one. You know, it's like, of <laughs> Star course, Wars make a great movie. What if there was a trilogy based off of Star Wars Rebellion? <laughs> I would watch that. So, yeah, those are my two constraints I put on my list. And I, I kind of assumed that you would follow the same thing. I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if there was already a movie that inspired the thing or a TV show, then I didn't do it. Okay. So what what's your number one? Hit us up. Well, well I feel like we, we should go do... Backwards? First of all, we should do three, two, one. Okay. And then also I feel like we should do best and then worst. That's what I was thinking too. All right. All right. My number three for my, the three games that I think would be best as movies. And, you know, you know there's a lot of games out there. I didn't go through every game in existence. I kind of just quickly went through all the games I've played and picked a few mm-hmm. that I think really well embody this. But there's a lot of games that I could make, put into the top three and make a good argument for, obviously. So my number three is actually going to be way out of left field. That being said, okay. Forbidden Desert. This convinced me. All right. Well, hear me out. Okay. There's a lot of game. There's a lot of movies that take place in the desert and desert survival is part of it. You know, like Dune, for example, is is one uh, like that. Or, uh, you know, hey, maybe Lawrence of Arabia or something. You know, basically anything that has some scenes in the desert, there's going to be a survival aspect, right? Because that's what we associate with the desert is, oh, I have no water, sun, Blah, you know like i gotta survive <laughs> that's what i Which, think too when i think of deserts you're just well, mm, yeah. right you know well hey you know like traditionally in movies it's like oh i'm in the desert blah 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 you know whatever but there's i feel like there's really not many movies about all about just surviving in the desert and even more you have a group of people mm-hmm. that are trying to uncover their mystical ship pieces you know have they you got shipwrecked it? in the desert they're trying to uncover their, their the pieces that they need to put back onto their flying ship to escape the desert before they're killed by exposure or dehydration or maybe monsters. There's no monsters in the game, but you know, you could probably mm-hmm. work that in. Sure. So yeah, I feel like it could make a really good movie, actually. How about Man vs. Wild Bear Grylls? Because that's the thing. That's all about surviving in the desert. <laughs> At least one episode is. Okay, well. Ha, gotcha. But you're ta- you're talking narrative movies, not documentary style. Yes, and also there's a there's a fantastical element to this because they're working on their flying ship, right? You know, so sure. Okay, well, let let me let me hit you up with a question then. Okay. Um, how do you think Forbidden Island would never work? played it, so I can't speak to it. Oh, okay. I mean, it's 
basically exactly the same game, except instead of filling up with sand, all the different tiles are just sinking into water. Well, then I... Because the island is forbidden. I guess I feel pretty much the same way about it, then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, what's your number three? Um, I I will just say I respect that. That was out of left field, but I could see that being interesting. I thought you might come around. you got a good head on your shoulders. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. My number three... I don't think this is out of left field, but Nidavellir. Oh, okay. I thought about this, and I was oh, like, really? definitely yeah? not. <laughs> now, well, no, I'll, okay. I want to clarify, because when when we're going over all these games, I think we're we're taking not so much the core mechanics of the game that we've made into a movie, but more the theme, the atmosphere, right? So Nidavellir, I wouldn't be that interested to watch a movie about drafting dwarves from taverns right (laughs) although there could there could be something there 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 could be i mean i'm not saying that's going to be excluded entirely from the movie that'd be a a great concept uh but no just the basic idea of here's a big old scary dragon and you got to recruit some dank dwarves now don't you start throwing the hobbit trilogy at me homie Oh, I just call it the Hobbit trilogy. It's just one book. Oh. I'm a silly boy. I've been oh. I've been scarred by culture. You've been modernized. Uh, I'm sorry, Tolkien. Forgive me. He's rolling in that grave. Uh, Tolkien is rolling. But anyway, Nidavellir. I think that'd be I think that'd be a great movie. Partially um, influenced, I think, just by sort of the the gritty appearance of the game because oh, okay. all the cards yeah, are like in black and white. You know, which is sort of an interesting aspect to take. Yeah, I I like the idea of imagining sort of this twilight summer evening sort of lit mountain world <laughs> i just spewed some words there but that kind of uh, describes uh, what i'm imagining yeah no i think that's a valid a valid thing that i didn't i didn't i wasn't thinking about the style of art uh for nidam mm. and i could i think there's some 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 value to be had in that well thanks man glad yeah. you respect my decision all right my number two is a cute little war game called Root. Oh, I thought of this one. I feel like this is a really good... Okay, well, I feel like this is a really good pick because, again, there's not really a whole lot of movies out there about animals. Well, like, you know, what do you say? What do you, what would you call it? Uh, anthropomorphic yeah, animals yeah. fighting in a forest, you know, over Narnia. territories. You know? Yeah, but it's not the same. It's not like they're... Hmm. There's, there's a lot... I don't know. Have you seen the Narnia? Red Wall show? Yes. No. <laughs> well, it was a book series, but I think I read cool. the first Red Wall when I was in middle school or something. That's that hundred percent what it is. Humans don't exist; it's just anthropomorphic cool. animals. That's I. That's very cool. Uh, not a movie. No. <laughs> Although I'm not, I'm surprised it isn't actually. But anyways, I think it's I think it's awesome, and I think you could really use the asymmetry in the game mm. as a big factor. So you have these four factions. Oh yeah. The cats, the birds, the woodland alliance, and then the scoundrel or whatever he's called you could really get these cultures you know you could have the cat culture about dominance and just exerting their force onto other people and you could have the bird culture of like they have this one last stand and they're fighting back against the the cats which are just like overwhelming them with odds but the the birds have a much greater deeper strategy that they use that's just such a high risk high reward (laughs) strategy and then you have the woodland alliance that are just like the innocents that have just got involved in all this and they're like striking back at these two dominating foes that are battling it out and they're you know they're they're though they're the collateral damage you know they're fighting back there's this they're the they're the underdog that you want to win even though you there's some cats that you like and some birds that you really respect but the woodland woodland alliance are the ones that are really you know it's they're the they're the innocents here that are in the crossfire and they're fighting back and you're just rooting for them 
And then there's uh, the really scoundrel not. that we can just all identify with, I feel like, and just in every area of life. No, you know, no, he's it, kind of the side story that doesn't dude, make any it's, sense. It's the vagabond. Come the on, vagabond, the that's it. Also, who in your mind would play, or I guess at least voice the vagabond? Voice the vagabond? Yeah. Oh, boy. Voice the vagabond. Another great name for a podcast. That is a good name for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Vagabond, vagabond, vagabond. He's got to be kind of sneaky. Yeah. I'm going to go with Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. I can't. I know the name, but I can't picture him. <laughs> uh, you don't want to picture him, trust yeah, me. Okay. Oh, wait. No. Is that the guy from Princess Bride? No. What, what's that guy's name? Why, why I, am I, I don't know, him? dude. Have fun storming the castle. Anyway. Uh, I think Liam Neeson could be a decent choice. Vagabond? Nah, well, no, okay, no. Uh, Liam have, Neeson needs to be like the leader of the have birds, you bro. Seen, have you seen any like recently come out movies with Liam Neeson? Like uh, no. The Marksman? No. Uh, he's getting old and his voice is getting a little husky. Okay, all right. And okay. I feel like if if he threw some energy into it but still had kind of his more gravelly natured voice i feel like see i was thinking more of a sneaky rascally little devil devil vagabond you know okay yeah that'd be a that'd be a different realm all right well that's my number two i feel pretty confident about it okay um yeah root was a runner-up for me did not make my top three uh my number two is euphoria also a runner-up for me really yeah um i don't know i mean that's there's some strong world building in that game even if i don't even if it's not my favorite game to play, such to the point that I traded it to you for something else. And I traded I'm trying to get rid of it as myself <laughs> know, right now. That's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but the, the world building is super strong. Um, same thing like you were talking about with Root. There's some strong factions in there. You've yeah, got the, yeah. the cloud people are just high literally all the time. Um, you've got the the cave dwellers or the the diggers. I, I don't even remember what they're all called. But then there's the people that live out in the wastelands and then the true dystopian type people in the in the city. But man... That that'd be a great show. I'm picturing them all vying for power in some way, and yeah, yeah, no, it would I'm be it would be very movies, cool. Uh, the only reason it didn't make the cut, like I said, it was a runner up. So you know, I hear you. I'm there with you. The only reason it didn't make the cut for me is I feel like this dystopian future thing has been beat to death. It has in cinema, and so like, what's what's that Christian Bale movie? Bob. Where he's doing all the silly gun fu stuff. I'm lost, bro. Why? Why am I blanking oh, oh, out? Equilibrium. Equilibrium. Yeah, Jeez, yeah. That was it, the it worst description of a movie I've ever heard, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you knew what I was talking I about. I did. I did. Yeah, that's a good movie. But yeah. I feel like a little bit after that, things really got bad. You know, like City of Ember and Hunger Games and Divergent mm. and all of this, like just prattling on about, like, yeah. no, I, I'm just done. I totally checked out of that genre a while ago. Well, but here, here's the dealio, man. Euphoria is kind of a tongue-in-cheek dystopian. It thing. is. Like, no, it, I it's like sort that. of a parody of dystopian societies, and I feel like a movie based on that would be pretty epic. Yeah, that could be better. That could be better, for sure. So, yeah. good good choice. Thank definitely. you. That's my number two. What's your number one? I think my number one is the same as yours. I could be wrong. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, Scythe? Yeah, Okay, Scythe, I mean, man. come on. We'll just share Spoilers. this one. Spoilers. I mean... Okay. How can you not? That's exactly what I was going to say, dude. How can you not? You've got these cool awesome factions with all their different mechs and you've got this very suave or very attractive leader who has this pet that's just amazing a warthog or a Uh tiger or Uh a boar you know and with just thrilling backgrounds i mean the the game even comes with all these listed descriptions of what they went through and what their goals are yo and if you want the if you want to go down the rise of fenris uh yeah and then we're not going to do any spoilers but if you want to go down that road there's a lot there's, there's a good plot line down there. there too so very cool and then you have yeah just all the mechs and the war and dude 
that's an easy number one. Sure. It's a shoe in for number one. Now there is one, uh, not stipulation, but disclaimer, I guess, with this, because Scythe is already based off of an IP, um, which is just a bunch of art that this guy made. I I don't remember his name. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but but there's a name for. I think it's like the the 1920s plus is what the universe essentially is called. Um, and he's just made all these incredible paintings of, <laughs> I guess, steampunk. World War One, yeah. And Stegmar was style? like, "I want that. Give yeah. that to me." And then made a game off it. And they made a um, an RTS game, yes, not based off of Side, but based off of that original intellectual property. Do you Iron remember what Harvest. that's called? Iron, Iron Harvest. Harvest. Correct. Oh, that's yeah. such a cool name. Which makes a lot of sense connected with Scythe because you use a Scythe in a yes. Harvest. So yes, there's yeah. they probably were in on it somehow. Anyways, I've yeah, I I kind of knew you were going to pick that as your number one, but I couldn't think of any reason not to. So yeah. <laughs> Well, let's transition now into our top three worst games if made into a movie. All right. Well, why don't you start this list off? Okay. Uh, I'm going to hit you up with Viticulture. Oh, Viticulture. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're you planting some vines and you're picking the grapes and then you're smushing them and you're making some wine and then you're selling it. Well, see, here's the thing, Cody. It's going to be a drama. Okay. Yeah. There's not a lot of <sighs> action. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. There's not a lot of action, but hey, it's okay. going to be a drama. Okay. My wife would probably want to watch it, so I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's be honest. Okay. If they actually made a show based on the Viticulture. Oh, we know we'd watch you would, it. We, we would know watch. we'd All right, watch come it. Come on. All right. But should it be made into a movie? And mm, would Tom nah. Hiddleston be the papa? I mean, who oh else? man, he has to be. And then Anne, Anne right? Hathaway is the okay, the I, okay, okay. That'd be an interesting combo. Yeah. yeah, I see Tom Hiddleston and Anne Hathaway playing this couple, starting off trying to get their their little viticulture farm going. They're, they're, they're growing some great grape plants, as I yeah. know they're called. Fulfilling contracts, real high stakes stuff. Yeah, there, you know? and then Matt Damon's probably going to play this like robber baron that kind of comes in oh. and it's like, oh no, uh, I'm going to buy your land. And it's mine now, and I'm going to put a railroad through it. So move. <laughs> so which list is this one? Because I'm starting, I'm starting to get behind this. <laughs> this is starting to get pretty good. Let's move this to, to the top three middle games that made it to a movie. <laughs> uh, but I, I can see your point of view. It is just a, a grape game. A yeah. Hawaiian game, right? Yeah. So whatever. So what's your number three? My number three is Hadara. And I pick Hadara oh. because... It's a civilization game, which, hey, in, in your typical civilization game, there's a lot of... Uh, it's really not a civilization but game. But it's not, but right? But, but hey, it's the, thematically, it's supposed to be. And it's like, hey, you know, like civilization, people, you know, kind of lots of intrigue and, you know, all this stuff, whatever. But this game is so stupid <laughs> thematically because you're drafting people from every single culture into the same <laughs> civilization. And at the end of the game, you're like trying to have, uh... like, you're, be- you're basically... Um, given uh, you're rewarded basically for having a bunch of different colored or different civilization uh, people in your tableau and it's like so it's a civilization game where you're trying to diversify your civilization <laughs> as much as possible and just lose all sense of what uh, you are it's like yeah so that in a, well, that in a show would it just, just not doesn't work. make thematic it sense doesn't make any sense any at way. all yeah I mean, I know that's basically what America is, but still. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. But at the same time, America does have American culture, definitely. Good point. Very, and this yeah, would not. True. This would be like, it's just like Japanese, throw it in with the Scottish, <laughs> thrown in with the Egyptians, you know? It's like, what is going My on My military here? is made of a Native American archer, a samurai, and a horseback Viking. Charge <laughs> <laughs> hey, men. I'd probably, I'd probably watch it. Well, you do, what? Okay, we're breaking our own list, man. We're We're... Making up but, these games, into but really, I feel much. like Hadara would it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't make any sense, right? No, yeah, it would so, not. 
good, good choice. Good choice. All right. My number two, um, sticking with the Stonemeyer theme here, Wingspan. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Behold. I thought about Wingspan. Look at my great yard with a bird feeder. I have attracted four different species of birds. Enjoy my movie. <laughs> Look, that one laid an egg. I'm going to use that egg great to buy Scott. another bird. Yes. Oh, wait. No, no, no. This black-capped chickadee laid an egg, and I'm going to use that egg to, to grow a bald eagle? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. Maybe a satire would work, but I, not as something real. Yeah, it's much. an incredible game, Good but would be a terrible movie. So my number two is Agricola. For a couple reasons. First of all, it's just okay. a farming. It's just a farming game, and it's like that. I'm not sure. interested in that at all as a as a narrative story. No, thank you. Second of all, <laughs> there's a very there's a distinct element to the game, which is that hey, by the way, if you don't feed everybody, people are gonna die. <laughs> which they don't actually die in the game. You just take negative you points, but that's points. the idea, they go right? Hungry, they starve. That's the idea is that they die, kind yeah. of. And so it's like it's just like a boring show that's just like super <laughs> depressing every once in a while because people can't eat and they die. Uh, it, is it this? Is it Agricola that Z is complaining about when he's saying that when I play a board game, I I don't want to feel like I'm doing work. I I play games to escape from my work life. Yeah, yeah. This one could definitely fall into that category for some people. I still enjoy the game, but as a as a as a show or as a movie, oh boy, it'd be terrible. <sighs> Again, probably another historical drama or something is what it'd play out as yeah i'm thinking like you know like dust bowl depression very era much farming. Dust bowl. that's a good one actually yeah grapes of wrath let's go watch it yeah okay not not a bad choice i'm gonna hit you up with my number one game that would be worst if made into a movie let me just say yeah. i feel i feel very confident that my number one is better than yours unless you pick the same thing i did which is possible uh I had trouble thinking of good games. Granted, I didn't spend too much time thinking about this. So I'm sure your number one game is probably superior to my number one. And you've only played this game once, to my knowledge. But it is Azul. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, it, yeah, it's only yeah. about just getting pieces of tile and then tiling them together into a cool See, painting I actually thing. thought about Azul, but I, oh, really? I, okay. I, I kind of said it was themeless. That kind of fell into the themeless category for me. And so I like... Hmm. just completely kind of glossed over it for okay. that reason but i didn't think it would it, I, th I thought there was enough theme because they described like you're you're a craftsman getting these tiles and you're, oh okay you're i didn't actually know that king. was part of the backstory for oh uh, <laughs> yeah it, it is written there yeah in the background. which we're also richly you know like invested in the backstory on azul Indeed. but hey the backstory on azul summer pavilion see that's the thing you got so many sequels already planned out for you oh man you know It'd be so. a trilogy at least. I think there's more than three. We'll, yeah. we'll, okay, we'll call it a trilogy and then we'll make a fourth movie. Oh, for sure. It's one of those things. No, we'll, no, we'll make the fourth game into, into another trilogy. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> but anyway, I All mean, right. that, that's about as much as I have to say about it. It's just Azul. Yeah, what else can you say? Yeah, what's your number one? My number one is Suburbia because <sighs> it's just city planning. That's all it is. Hmm. Between two cities, I thought about, but actually between two cities is better because there's this element of you're working with another person to build a city together on either side but you're still trying to be the greatest you know so that could actually be something interesting sure. in a plot yeah <laughs> suburbia it's is literally just city planning competing to make yeah so. suburbia is a pretty good choice that is that would be yeah there's, there's, there's no content there but i wanted to say i had one game that i really wanted to put on one of these lists okay but it worked so well for both of the lists what? that I couldn't I couldn't figure out where to put it. So it's your top one best worst game to be made into a movie. Yes. Because it could do Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. really the best way to say it. What you got? Galaxy Trucker. 
Oh, dude, I kind of thought about this. Because it's like the first, like, it's like you have for some reason a time limit. Try to put this into it. Like, this is a narrative story, okay? Uh For some reason, there's a time limit. You have to build your ship. Yeah. Okay. And then you're just going to fly it and see what happens to your ship. And it's going to get destroyed and attacked by aliens. And you're going to hit comets and all this Uh, stuff. And that's it. (laughs) Well, they actually made it into a a TV show. It's called Firefly. (laughs) That's kind of what it is, right? But that would be, not extrapolating, but that would be like taking like something very very small to making it much something much bigger right this is literally like i don't know it's just but like i said it could be something really good and really like funny maybe or it could just be like terrible weird stupid you know no content at all could be a thrilling humorous adventure or very uninteresting galaxy truck yeah so that's why i that's why that one fell into that category for me i i actually took time to write down a few of my other runners up um i thought black angel could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difficulty is it's literally just robots running around, like repairing yeah. the ship and doing stuff. So it'd have to be uh, maybe Wally esque. I was gonna say there's no a lot of personality. There's no personality, right? So sure. I also thought about it, but for the same reason, it's like, yeah, whatever. But the the journey would be also the, the 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 game has such a grand scope that like all this time is passing because the <laughs> the little guys <laughs> are out in their ships going to worlds, interacting with other alien races, and they're trying sure. to help them, and it's like. You're not gonna do that in a movie, even a sh- even in a show. Well, that you just could. Won't work. I mean, we need to break the mold in movies, right? What if it was just a movie that covered like two hundred thousand years of just <laughs> robots on the same ship? That'd be interesting. Although I guess I don't actually know how long I don't the either. journey is supposed to be. Probably not that long. I don't think so. But um, who knows? Well, I also had Champions of Midgard on here. Okay, like a classic sort of Beowulf, but just Viking esque. Yeah, yeah. Marauding story. Yep, I thought about Classic. both that and Blood Rage, but I felt like there wasn't mm-hmm. anything too sure. unique about either of them that they could make my top three. Okay. Um, I also had Everdell because that is some that is some deep world building huh. that goes into that game. Um, and and there actually is a lot of background lore with the game, to my understanding. Oh, yeah? There's a lot of like little letters or snippets that are supposed to be written by characters from the game that you'll find in the rulebook. And as the expansions come out, they seem to imply that there is, like, a lot of history to the game. Like, I got a... It was, like, the collector's edition of one of the expansions, and it has this um, this 100-year timeline, if I remember really? remembering correctly, of, like, the origin of this given city. Uh, I forget what it's called. I don't think it's... Because it's the Evertree. I don't know if it was Everdell or not. I feel really pathetic that I can't remember now if I'm wrong you about should. that. I know. Uh, but it has, like, all whatever 100 listed years and then it has a little event listed next to each one for something important that happened in the history like this guy defeated this villain or this guy got elected to council in this spot and i don't know that's pretty cool it would be pretty interesting i think yeah maybe a tv show would be better oh do you have any other runners ups no i had i had them written down but i erased them but actually i feel like i've said a lot like you know euphoria also was a runner-up uh, I thought about mm. Champions of Midgard and mm-hmm. thought about Blood Rage uh, and Wingspan. Yeah. I thought of Jaipur for one of the worst ones. <laughs> yeah, that, that could make the cut. Behold sure. my camels. Would you like to buy these quality goods? Aha, I am victorious. So there you have it, folks. That is our best, top three best and worst games that could be made into <laughs> movies. Uh we would love to hear from you guys kind of what you what you think about that. So you can, if you're listening to the podcast, you can shoot us an email at tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. If uh, you're listening to this on YouTube, you can leave a comment on the video and just kind of 
say what your what your top three of both of these would be, and you can even tell us why, and mm-hmm. we can even tell you why you're wrong or right. You know, could any, be right. You any, could be right. Any movie makers out there who want to take the step and make these into a movie, we will. Please we do. We will gladly be consultants. Even even the worst ones. I, I'd probably be just as much interested to see you make Wingspan or Viticulture <laughs> into a sure, movie. Right? Okay, <laughs> Suburbia, here we go. Actually, yeah. I would not want to consult on that. I'd, I'm already bored thinking about it, dude. City planning? Yeah. No, thanks. So, hey, but if you want to reach out to us for any other reason, you can do so at tabletopshop23 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram as tabletopshop and on Facebook as tabletopshop. Well, uh, Instagram, tabletopshop23. 23, 23 as well specific. On, on Instagram. Yeah. That's the handle there. So... We would love to hear from you guys, love for you guys to follow, love for you to rate and review the podcast uh, wherever you're listening. That would be awesome. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. And remember, there's a strict hand limit of eight cards in Everdell. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been the Tabletop Shop Podcast. We release episodes every other Wednesday, and you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We'll catch you guys on the next episode, and in the meantime, keep on playing games.